0: is Dammer, Sean. He's an entrepreneur, real estate investor, real estate broker, author, podcast host, you name it, he's done it, is doing it, or has also done it and then sold the business of it. So he's the owner and co-founder of Greetings Virginia. You can go on greetingsvirginia.com. He's been featured on many huge publications, including the Today Show, CNBC, and the Washington Post. You'll hear a little bit about his background, but most importantly, you can check him out on multiple mediums, including his consistent and predictable income for real estate agents podcast, community group And he also is the author of Real Estate Evolution, which is the 10-step guide to consistent and predictable income for real estate agents. He is doing an awesome job in all the mediums he can. You guys can definitely and should definitely follow him. Check the show notes for all the links. I was on his podcast. It's an awesome podcast. And he brings great energy. I just like what he has to say. Very likable guy. I could have had him on to talk about a lot of different things, but very much enjoy him. I enjoy his message and I enjoy the way he delivers it. So thank you so much, Dan, for coming on. I think you guys are going to love him. So definitely follow him, connect with him. And especially if you're in one of those areas and looking to get into one of the challenges he's doing, jump on board to be able to be doing business, especially as a real estate agent in the market that we're in for as long as he has, and literally not have a month of inconsistent income is a huge thing that everybody should be striving for and can definitely learn from. Also, this episode is brought to you by the A-Game podcast sponsor. Nationwide Business Capital Group. If you're looking for money for your real estate investments, whether it's your residential, your land deals, your developments, your construction, your fix and flips, your buy and rents, whatever it may be, go on nicknicknick.com slash links. Under the affiliates tab, you will see a way to contact Marianne for some money with Nationwide Business Capital Group. Write to her, see the A-game podcast sent you and you want some money to invest. Does not matter what your situation is. She will find you the best way to get you the most money she can to get you the most in charge release with the most competitive rates and terms and roll out the red carpet treatment for all the listeners of our podcast. While you're there, check out our other sponsors, including Reba Global. If you need some VAs, if you want to get your podcast going, check out Zachary Babcock and his power can- power train syndicate podcast, and as well, as putting in the promo code A-game if you want some quality CBD for all those aches and pains and joint things that have been going on from lifting weights, exercising, not taking care of yourself, doing jujitsu for years, put in promo code A-game for 20% off a nationwide CBD company that is owned by a Navy SEAL. Support him, support yourself, support your body. Last but certainly not least, text me. Let's talk real estate. I don't care if you're a beginner, advanced, intermediate. Let's just have a conversation. I'm giving everybody a free call to have a 15-minute session to figure out how we can get you started in real estate, how we can get you your first deal, how we can get you the next deal. All you have to do is text me, 516-540-5733, and we can figure out what the best path and plan is for you, whether it's buying properties from me, selling properties to me, partnering, or none of the above, and we can just figure out what works best for you. Let's set up that call. Text me, 516-540-5733, and we will book a session for you free for being a loyal listener to this podcast. We will get you going, especially it becomes easy once Marianne gets you some money, we can figure out the way to get this going and we can make 2022 a great year to get you started or get you taking off in your real estate investment business. Last but certainly not least, check out nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets to get a free checklist for the ways to bring more value to your buyers, whether you're a estate agent, real estate wholesaler, Or a real estate broker, definitely check out nickandnick.com/slash/biggerpockets to get that free checklist there. And please join our Facebook community. If there's any guests you'd like to have on, any questions you have, any ways I can help you, all the questions you ask on there. If I can't answer it myself, I will get a guest on that is the expert in whatever you want, and we will be able to get that up and running. So thank you so much, Dan, for coming on. Thank you so much for you guys listening. Thank you so much to our sponsors. Text me. Let's get you some deals. All right, my guest today on the A Game podcast. His name is Dan, and he's an entrepreneurial real estate broker and author. He's the owner of Greetings Virginia Real Estate Sales Network and the owner and co founder of greetingsvirginia.com. If that was not enough, he is also in a lot of other joint ventures, including the real estate principal's instructor at Mosley Real Estate Schools. He has been featured on such amazing places as the Nightly News with Brian Williams, The Today Show, CNBC, The Washington Post, and was actually voted. One of the best DC real estate agents in the Washington City uh, paper readers poll. He's an associate broker in Virginia and Maryland, and he's the host of a podcast I have been on and very much enjoyed, called host of the Consistent and Predictable Income for Real Estate Agents podcast. He is the author of the book Real Estate Evolution: The 10 Step Guide to Consistent and Predictable Income for Real Estate Agents. He is the head of an amazing community on Facebook for the CPI community for consistent and predictable income. And he is on a mission. To help achieve greatness and open the doorways for success through his teachings, coaching, and mentorship, please welcome to the A-Game podcast somebody who has great energy, great content, and I'm really excited to have him here, Mr. Dan Rochon.
1: Hey, Nick. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. That was a mouthful. (laughs) <laughs> you know, try to like
0: clip it in uh, like usually like say I'm, not, I'm not in my normal quarters here so it kept getting clipped out and I'm like I'm yeah, uh, chipping over this but it's always the biggest pressure is trying to get it right you know like sometimes I've had people on where I like it's it's a movie guy and I pulled something off of IMDB and he was never actually in that thing and then I'm like it's ruined the whole thing is gone forget the whole interview listen man. I'm just gonna tell all your
1: viewers <laughs> and all your all your people I was in Terminator right so they want to hear no nah, that's that's a lie <laughs> but you know not gonna make stuff up here
0: <laughs> but dude, you you have done a lot you have a lot of feathers in your your cap. You have a lot of notches in your belt. You've been featured all over. There's so many different things I want to touch on from the investing side to what you and I were talking about earlier with the entrepreneur side, yeah. working with a spouse, changing mindsets. There's so many different directions we should go. But for people who are not hundred percent familiar with you as of yet, can you give a quick 30,000 foot view on who you are, where you came from and why real estate? Uh, so
1: I got my real estate license in 2007. I started investing in real estate probably that. Before the two before 2000, so you know, I've been investing in real estate for about 22 years, and you know all kinds of different stuff: fix and flips, uh, commercial property, buying holds. Uh, but primarily, my real estate uh, knowledge comes from brokering. You know, being in the trenches. And so, before I got my real estate license, I was waiting tables. So I was a waiter at uh, one of the top end steakhouses in the world in Washington D.C. and I hated my job. I made a lot of money, but it sucked. And so uh, one day we're scooping butters, getting ready to go on the shift. And my buddy Bill says, hey, Dad, you ever thought about real estate sales? I had not. You know, he knew I was already investing. He knew that, you know, I I had some interest in it. And so he got me to thinking like, okay, I could do uh, do this real estate uh, thing. And um, about a year and a half after that conversation, I was an owner of a brokerage. And owned that for 10 years and uh, sold it and then did all kinds of other crazy stuff.
0: That's pretty awesome, man. You know, it's it's interesting. A lot of people I talk to, myself included, I have worked at a lot of restaurants over the years. And I think the more we start to get into business, not only on the real estate side, but something else we're going to talk about, it's actually being a business owner, which is a whole other topic in itself. But it really does come down to people skills and customer service. And I feel like a lot of that, I probably learned some of the, things to do and to not do as well from working in restaurants because you're dealing with all kinds of people and as we know hangry people aren't always the nicest and people treat you bad and treat you good and you know it's a little bit of a just really opens you up to like a a fire hose of personalities and people to deal with has any of the things you learned from working in real estate and working with i'm sorry working in restaurants and working with people help you transition to working with people in real estate
1: absolutely i mean it's it's when you're in the when you're in a restaurant, you know, this is going way, you know, many years back, right? But you have to be able to adapt quickly or you know, to the person who you're communicating with. And it could be particularly in the touch of restaurants that I work in, because these are the places that celebrities would go to, really high-end people that you would know, right? And in average everyday Joe's as well, right? But um, you know, you have to be able to accommodate different people for their for who they are. And in real estate sales or in business, just in of itself, you have to be able to meet people where they're at, rather than expecting for them to meet you where you're at. And that's something that I learned in business, and something that I learned in leadership, and something that um, I think early on I didn't do as great of a job as as I do today. It's just like identifying, like, okay, this person's here, and wherever they are is perfectly perfect. So what my goal is is to meet them where they are and then help. Guide them to where they would be in a better position, and and so that's the way that I've, I've you know taken what I did in you know restaurants, what I've learned in business, what I've learned in brokering and and, and leadership, and all of the above.
0: That's awesome, man. You know, I, I never actually thought about it until you just brought it up and made me think that it really is a good crash course for learning about what things are in the real estate business because. You know, there's people that they just want to look at stuff and then there's people that like they got evicted from like the owner foreclosed and they need a place to live by Tuesday and this offer like so you're dealing with like different stresses different things just like in the real estate business and in the restaurant business with coming through and just having people almost on a daily basis it's like the Bartender sleeping with the cook and like now they're fighting, and this one got kicked out, and like so and so, and this one was overserved, and this one ran out on the bill. Like, I've seen fist fights, I've seen people get stabbed, but you just have to kind of go to the next table and be like, you know, hey, that guy just got shot, and it's like, okay, so and the sides today are you know, like, you, you, it's like navigating the waters of like stresses and crazy personalities to be like, I just have to still kind of go about my day and have my eye on the prize, I think is really basically what we do all day. It's kind of, you know, people are gonna verbally vomit their stuff on you, they're gonna kind of take out whatever they have on you, but you just have to start to say, go like, well, my job is still to get them to the next house or to the next deal or to get this deal closed. So it really is a good crash course for that kind of stuff. Did you have anything like crazy stressful stuff that you had to navigate through in the restaurant side of stuff that like sticks in your mind?
1: Oh, in the restaurant? Sure. I mean, I would say, so when I was working in the restaurants at the time, I was a very active alcoholic and I've been sober now for 17 years, a little bit more than 17 years. And I remember what the biggest challenge for me as a waiter was because I had like my goal for every single person who I, who was, you know, who I served was that they would have the best dining experience they've ever had in their life. Now, I would approach the job in that manner, but remember, I was probably hung over 90% of the time performing that now luckily I I had you know I was a young man at the time so I could get away with it right but the reality of it is was when I when I was in the back of the house uh you know meaning behind the doors in the kitchen and I would be miserable the second that you'd go into the front of the house into the dining room it's instantaneously just changing my demeanor my posture my way of being regardless of how I was physically feeling and then now I've got to perform and so to be able to, to do that on a drop of a dime, regardless of how I was feeling, I'd say that that's probably when I, when I think back of like, you know, like stories of things that happened, it was really almost like an everyday existence. And that was for myself, not necessarily from others. Um, now, you talked about the uh, the bartender sleeping with the cook or whatever the case may be. My wife. I met her on uh, uh, on state in station three at the restaurant, right? She was a waiter waitress as well, right? So at least we made it, you know, we we, we made it official, right? We, you know, uh, we uh, we actually got married. So um, so that's how I
0: met my wife. That's awesome, man. You know, for people listening that think that that was like a weird question, the reason I brought it up is for two specific things. One, you hated where you were at the time. Two, if somebody's listening and they're not. Doing real estate full time yet, or they're looking to transition and they're still kind of making ends meet doing something else. If you hate where you are, I feel like that's a a huge catalyst to going into entrepreneurship is either loving something so much that you want to do something different to give that person, your community, your family a better life, or hating your situation so much that you go, I will do anything to get out of this. And if you're not where you are currently, where you wanna be is easily what you just said by bringing your A game. That's why you're a great fit for this podcast because exactly what you just said is I feel like exactly where opportunities come from is, this is not where I wanna be right now. However, I'm still gonna go in the back, put my game face on and bring my A game and just be the best I can be at this. And when you bring that same A game energy to everything you do, whether you love what you're doing, or you hate what you're doing, Other A players are going to recognize that into you because you're going to bring that to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So I think some of the stuff people are going through, whether you're waiting tables, delivering stuff, you know, working for somebody else, you can still be sharpening the act for the people skills and the life lessons that are going to help you as you get into full-time real estate investing, as you get into entrepreneurship, even if you don't realize it right yet, those kind of things really matter.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you look at the motivating factors of, of, you know, anything that's, we can make a decision is going to be motivated by very very few things and uh, fear and pleasure are two of those things you're either moving away from fear or you're moving towards pleasure and in my case it was moving away from fear I didn't know I was moving towards pleasure I did uh yet I didn't know that right I didn't have the uh the experience to know that what I was gonna in you know end up doing for the you know past almost two decades was gonna be something that I was gonna really embrace and really
0: enjoy So working with the spouse is a whole interesting topic in itself. But when you started leaving the restaurant business to go full-time into real estate, since she was already part of that with you, was she making that transition with you at the same time or did you kind of leap first and then she said, I'll see how you do? Yeah, she went first. So, really, uh, yeah,
1: well, the way that it worked was, remember, like, I was making money. I did a few flips, probably, the year before I got my license, like in that last year working in a restaurant, I did, I think, two or three flips. One of them, I, I remember we wholesaled one, and I think we flipped two. And so, um, so that you know, I got a little bit of savings, you know, I thought I had about six months of cash in the bank. Uh, I didn't, you know, I learned that that six months went a lot faster once you be, you know, once I became unemployed. But what, what the theory was, was that my wife would go out and she would start real estate sales and she'd sort of get her feet underneath of her while I continue making the money, uh, because I was able to, you know, make money while I was waiting tables. And so that was what we intended to do. Um, so she went out first and then she struggled. And so she didn't necessarily have the, the, the business coming in. So then we had to go to plan B. So plan B was for me to join her after, getting that little bit of money in the bank and, you know, working, I still worked, I think Saturdays and Sundays at the time for the first six months in sales. And so, um, so really I worked, we had two people living off of two days of a, a week of income from a restaurant. And we were able to make that work for six months before, uh, before I almost ran out of money. Uh, I remember <laughs> we, we got to almost zero before my first sale. So it was close. So-
0: what is that experience like? And I, I know a lot of people that are trying to work with some spouses. I feel like the fact that you guys made it through that time makes you rock solid. Cause that's really where you start to see the best and the worst of people and see if you guys yeah. are in it for the long haul. So for people that are listening, that are trying to get their business off the ground, and just like you and I were just talking about, even at the level we're at, it's still a daily struggle. Every day, things are up, things are down, deals are, are closed and deals are falling apart. Like it's just kind of the life we chose being in real estate, being entrepreneurs. But when you're climbing up the ranks, especially when you're trying, like you said, to put the income together, it can put a lot of strain on your relationships. And I've tried to learn over the years, I have to be very intuitive on what my partners are going through. So, you know, my, my partner, Nicole, is awesome. But if I'm having stuff on, I'll let her talk first and see kind of how her day's going. Yeah. And if I can tell that she's got a lot on there, I realize that I can't go like emotionally vomit all the crappy stuff that's happening in the day. Like it's my turn to be the one that's taking it. And then another time when I, you know, so like you kind of have that balance because you can't have two people that are like, the world's over, everything sucks. You know, somebody has to be the rock and the <laughs> positive person that day. So, how did you guys navigate through those tough times for that first six to 12 months before you really got your feet underneath you?
1: Yeah, Nick, I think it's probably true whether it's a relationship like, you know, like what we have and what you're describing, you know, where it's, you know, a, a relationship that goes past the business uh, aspect of it, but also for business partners as well. I think this would be smart because. Today I have many different business partnerships and it goes back into a few key things. Uh, so first, setting expectations. Setting expectations up front is probably the number one thing that if you do if you screw everything else up, but you set expectations and you agree upon them up front, then you're going to be in a much better position. And then for us in the, you know, the marriage relationship, it was it was about having definitive separation meaning that our jobs were uh, occurred during certain hours of the day in a certain area so we rented out an office space and we would drive to that office space and then we would do our business and then we would lock up at the end of the day we get in our cars and we drive home and then we would you know be married partners and so having that physical separation in between you know uh, personal life and business life I think was very very important to make that happen and then to the best of our ability though it wasn't always perfect right it wasn't you know there were definitely times when personal stuff would bleed into the business and business stuff would bleed into the personal stuff but to the best of our ability keeping those separate um in um, in every aspect including the physical aspect as possible and that's that's the way that i think we managed it we managed it pretty well and and my wife, she's not in business anymore. She got out of the business probably around three years ago or so. And so she's completely retired from the business today. And, and um, you know, and now it's completely myself. And, you know, I, uh, I work a, a 830 to six is my hours, are my hours. And, um, you know, so she knows if it's 830 to six, it's not personal time. <laughs> and uh, six o'clock, it, you know, it is. And, you know, it's just having those clear expectations.
0: For people listening, if they don't understand how valuable what you just said was, that will literally make or break your relationship because, you know, my party calls it the no fly zone. Like there'll be times that I just, I almost can't help myself and I'll just bring something up. And she's like, Hey, it's my kid's 11th birthday. Maybe you don't talk about it here at the party. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. You just don't even realize, you know, you get in the zone. So I think one thing that I have learned huge in business and in life, what you just said about setting an expectation ahead of time. solves so many problems of just, here's what it is, here's what it isn't, let's make the agreement ahead of time. And I think from my side of it, part of the reason I sucked at that initially was because I almost didn't wanna hear that it wasn't gonna work out or hear the bad news. It's like, this is going really well, so I want this to keep going well, but I always give it back to like, hey, if if you're talking to somebody, You don't want to wait until you've been dating for six years to go, hey, by the way, did you ever want to get married and have kids? And they go, no, never. I go, man, I really wish I would have asked this six years ago. So I think setting those expectations out front of like, this is what we need to do and having that conversation. If it doesn't work out, at least, you know, ahead of time that this isn't the person for me. But setting that rule, I think, is is genius. I might steal some of that from you for like, these are the business hours and I could talk whatever I want business because – I do tiptoe around stuff sometimes. And I think anybody listening at some point does. It's like, is it the right time to bring this up? Is yeah. it the wrong time to bring this up? But you've already set that clear boundary there. So I freaking love that. I think that that's a huge nugget of value there.
1: Yeah. And I also think like if you're thinking, you know, taking this past, you know, romantic relationships or marriage relationship taking into like business relationships, I enter today into business relationships with the expectation that we will not work. Before I get into the relationship, and so what that means is there's got to be clarity on what happens if this goes south. There's got to be clarity on what do you expect of me and what can I expect of you, and how do we know if each of us are doing whatever it is that we're you know saying we're bringing to the to the uh, to the partnership, and having that not having it be objective. Right. Having, the, you know, smart goals, right. Sitting there and say, okay, Nick, I'm going to do this ABC. It could be measured. You know, if I did it, you know, if I didn't, Nick, will you do DEF? Yes. Great. Can we agree on that? Yes. Great. Now, if we don't do that, if I don't do ABC, then this is what will happen of the way that we'll part ways. And we agreed to that all up front. And so now you can protect yourself from, um, Uh, from feeling as though if you're carrying all the weight, because I know a lot of business partners sometimes think I'm the one doing all the work. (laughs) And uh, it also sets you up so that you don't have to be I mean, I I learned that from getting out of a big, big business relationship that I did not do that for. And, um, and that was a mess. And it did not get litigious only because um, because I ended up, you know, paying hundreds of 1000s of dollars that if I didn't go above and beyond of, you know, of, of doing the right thing. I, you know, I over, I went over overboard in doing the right thing to the detriment of my own financial health to get out of the relationship, the business relationship. And, um, you know, looking backwards to say, well, if I would have prepared for that going into it, I never would have, you know, ate, eaten all that money. Um, and it would have been clear on who was responsible for that. And, you know, maybe I ate a little bit of it, but not all of it.
0: My friend I have been in that exact same boat. I know exactly how you feel. But kudos to you for, you know, stepping up and taking care of it. It's all lessons learned and you know, I I always think it's crazy that people think they can listen to you and I on a podcast and then they can go and just kill it in the real estate business. And it's like, man, even with the experience you and I have, there's stuff like this that pops up every day that you just can't plan for and you know, between the two of us, like 20, 30 years of experiences. And I feel like with podcasts that you're doing in the books and the communities and the stuff I'm putting out, like people get to benefit from decades yeah. of stuff that we've already done. So they're not starting from A, they're starting halfway through the alphabet, but there's still all these other things. So, you know, from you now going from somebody who was kind of climbing up the ranks, who's now on the top of the hill, what kind of stuff is is different for you on the leadership side from trying to you know, like we were just talking about every day, of the stresses and things. I was just talking to David Green about this as well. But how do you start to hold that together now, being somebody who is at the top of the hill and is in charge of all these other people that they have to report back to you for you balancing the emotions and the stresses of being a, a human and a business owner, but still holding yourself strong as the leader and the boss?
1: Yeah, I don't perceive myself, nor do I think I ever will as being on the top of a hill. <laughs> um, and to be candid, you know, to be candid, because I'm always growing, I'm always learning, and there's always something ahead of me. And so, um, so it's true that I've been climbing a hill for a very long period of time and that I may be in a different position on the hill than, than maybe somebody else. Um, so then I look at that to say, okay, well, what's my job as a leader? So my job as a leader is to teach somebody else how to think so that they can achieve the goals that they want to achieve. So now if you really sort of dissect that definition and let's use the hill analogy, And let's say that I want to be in relationship with people in business who are either pulling me up the hill, pushing me up the hill or following my pathway up the hill one way or another. Let's say it's the people following the pathway. So I don't want to be in business with people that want to go up a different hill. All right. So first of all, that may be great and there's nothing wrong with that other hill, but it's like, like, here's what we're doing. And so once I can identify, okay, what is it that you want to achieve? And as long as we have shared values, shared goals, shared, shared commitment to achieving something, now I can help you. So now that we get into alignment on that, now I have to, and that starts with, you know, really, really getting curious about what is it that you want to achieve in in the world? What is it that you want to do? And once I get clarity on that, now my job is to basically clear the way, clear the pathway for them to follow. And, um, you know, make sure that they have all the tools that they can succeed, that make sure that um, that any obstacles, my job is to clear those obstacles for them. And then uh, it's go time. Now, their job is to uh, is to climb quickly and uh, take action. And that's the way that I look at my role within my businesses today.
0: I love that you touched on a couple of key things, one of them being I'm, I'm surprised how many people I talk to. and I, I find myself guilty of it sometimes, too. But people sit down, they come to you and say, Dan, I want to be a successful investor. I want to be a successful agent. I want to, you know, financial freedom. I want to make money. They say all these things, but then when you really ask them, like, what do you really want? Where do you see yourself going? Like, what's your plan? They really don't know. They just go, I want more time. I want more money, but they've never really like mapped out like the in-between steps of how that's going to happen or what they want. So when you're having those conversations, do you box them in and like backtrack them to really think that out and map that out because obviously that helps if you like you said if you don't know what plane you want to get on if you don't know what hill you want to climb yeah and you know how to how to guide them through that mission if you have been kicking yourself that you can start investing in real estate soon whether you're beginner intermediate or advanced any way you're looking to get out of residential commercial land development wholesale or fix and flips, whatever it is let's find a way to get you involved in some projects get you some properties whether you want to sell family, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, so you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it before. sooner. Best time to start is today.
1: Yeah, I'm not as concerned about them having like a clarity on, you know, step ABC. More, I want to know where do they want to go. And that's a very simple, you know, question So you know, what are your goals? You know, and so once I get to what are your goals, I want to also discover what have you done in the past? So when I'm looking for the right people for me to be in relationship within a business, the first thing that I'm looking for is uh, is I'm looking for records of success in whatever it is that I'm hiring for, for example, if I'm hiring somebody or whatever it is in, in that I'm looking for in a partner, for example. So I'm looking to say, have you done something very, very similar or if not the same at the highest level possible? Because now I know that you're capable to, to do what it is that we're going to agree that you're going to do. And then I'm going to share with you what I'll do. And then, you know, we, we, we go forward. But once I can understand that, then it's just simply, well, well, where do you want to go? What do you want to achieve? Now, I don't care whether they know the plan A, B, C, D, you know, from here to there. But I do care very, very much that they have a clarity on what it is that they want to achieve in life. I do want to make certain that they want to grow. I want, want to make certain that they're competitive that they love to learn, that they're assertive, that they relate well with other people. I want to make certain that they're a team player. I want to make certain that they're a self-starter. The behavior is more important to me than the I know how, because that's sort of my job is to help for them to discover the how and show them the
0: way. That makes a lot of sense. How are you gauging that? So let's say you take somebody new on as a mentee, as an agent, as an employee, And they start to to know, okay, this is where I want to go. And their job now is to take action and do certain steps. How often are you like checking in? How are you gauging the KPIs to find out if somebody's actually, to your point, like doing their side of it, holding up their obligations?
1: Uh, Initially, often. uh, Once they earn the right within, you know, it's only about 90 days of micromanagement. Like I am not a micromanager, right? Like that's not my style. I hate it. I have to force myself to do that with somebody that I'm newly in relationship with, you know, so the way that I do that is, again, we go back into agreed upon things. And then I ask for them to email me or text me or whatever the case may be, right? So now you email me, you text me, you give me the information. And if I don't see the information, that will get my attention. Okay, so again, that's a part of our agreement. At the end of the day, you tell me what you did today. Okay, so then I can just casually look at it at the beginning of the next workday and I'm, I'm you know, aware of what's going on and I can step in uh, for accountability, that type of stuff. So when you're looking at like the initial relationship, the first 90 days, very, very tight. At the end of those 90 days, they should earn the right to be able to perform on their own. Then in everybody in my businesses, we meet on a daily basis. You know, I would say the most important thing in my business is uh i do a 30 minute meeting in the morning with my leadership and then immediately after that there's a 30 minute meeting with it's all hands on deck you know so so it's 30 minutes with the leadership where it's just basically okay here's what we want to do today we sort of get an agenda it's a smaller meeting and then and then they can then take the people that they lead and get the stuff done and then it's 30 minutes after that it's really about casting the vision communicating the vision letting the, the people know where we're going making sure that there's alignment, making sure that there's clarity on here's where we're going and here's why that's important. And, um, those are the, so that's an hour a day that I spend devoted to training, to, uh, to leading and to motivating, the, uh, uh, all the, all the people within the organizations.
0: That's outstanding, man. The more and more, the more successful people that I talk to, that's part of what they're doing is every day being there to, to just touch base and just to keep a good pulse. <laughs> in it. So I think that's awesome. I definitely need to do more of that myself, you know, and, <laughs> Kind of getting on that, you know, I, I know people in a business that you eat, which you kill, the mindset stuff could be a lot of your own worst enemy, like the most dangerous neighborhood in every, everywhere in the world is like right up here between like your two ears and stuff like that, as we were saying. So I know you're big on changing thoughts and programming. I would love to hear some of the stuff that you have done for yourself or some of the stuff you help other striving entrepreneurs, agents, and investors do to change their thoughts and their programming. There's
1: a thing called a self-coaching model. And the self-coaching model is what psychologists use to be able to create new outcomes with people who are caught in a loop of getting the same results over and over and over again. So if you can imagine, uh, for example, I have a friend who um, was originally a friend of my wife and uh, a lady, and she met this guy who was horrific and he drank all the time, he gambled, he was unfaithful, he was verbally abusive, physically abusive, and just horrific. Well, she divorces him. This was right when I was starting to date my wife. This is 20 years ago. The next year, she starts with a boyfriend. Guess what? That boyfriend, same guy, different name, different body. She breaks up with him a year later, same thing, same thing, same thing. And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, like that's crazy. From the outside looking in, you could clearly see a pattern, right? But she couldn't see that pattern. Well, she, fortunately, she today is seemingly in a very, very healthy relationship, has been in a very healthy relationship for, for a, you know, a pretty decent amount of time. And what changed? Well, what changed was she moved from Seattle to Texas. She literally had to change her circumstance, okay? So the self-coaching model, the self-coaching model says that from your circumstance, creates your thoughts, okay? So let's say, for example, you watch Fox News all day or you watch CNN News all day, I don't care which. You're going to most likely have in your circumstance, in your programming, you're most likely going to have some sort of agitation. Would you agree to that?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Right? Whichever direction you're going with that, there's going to be some sort of agitation. So now you're, you're putting yourself in a circumstance, in an environment that's causing agitation. So what do you think you're going, what, how, do you, how do you think you're going to be thinking? Negative. Absolutely. And then when you feel like crap, you feel negative, how are you, how are you going to feel? When you're thinking negatively, how are you going to feel? You're going to feel bad. Right. And so now this is the entire this is in the entire circle. This is what my friend was doing. So when you're in a circumstance that's not great, you're going to think in a manner that's not great. Then you're going to feel in a manner that's not great. So then what's going to happen is you're going to take action. That's not great, which means that you're going to have results that are not great. And now those results that are not great are going to continue to feed into your circumstance. And that's the closed loop. Now, let's erase all that let's change your circumstance instead of being in a, an environment we'll we we'll use fox news and cnn news you know as an example instead of spending your time positioning yourself to to, to you know to listen or watch you know something that's going to automatically agitate you instead you listen to the eight game podcast all right now you're going to feel inspired right or you're going to think inspired thoughts instead so the circumstance is you put yourself in a place that you're going to learn, that you're going to get inspiration. You're going to think inspired thoughts. You're going to feel inspired. you can take inspired actions. And then you're going to have inspired results, which will then feed into your new circumstance. Now, if you're driving and you're listening to this or whatever the case may be, you didn't quite, I wasn't doing that with graphics. So if you didn't catch everything that I just shared with you, Google self-coaching model, and you'll see a bunch of charts and it will help you to understand what I just shared with you. But here's the hack to this, because it is a closed loop. The hack is you can always change your circumstance. And when you change your circumstance, then you change your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, your results, et cetera. And so instead of, again, positioning yourself that's not healthy, you can pick up a book and read. You can listen to a podcast like the A-game. You can uh, intend to be in a position where you have friends that are going to be friends that are going to pull you up rather than pull you down. You can focus on your affirmations, your meditation, uh, your uh, your exercise. There are things that you can do to change your program to change your circumstance that everything else will follow from so that you can improve your life and that you can get more out of life and you can break those patterns like my friend was in, which was the pattern of unhealthy relationship after unhealthy relationship. Etc. And so that's a way that I coach others to be able to improve their circumstance.
0: Man, I think that that's awesome, and I don't think people put enough value into that. It's it's interesting because I think about all the times that it's like I don't feel good, so I'm gonna go eat a Big Mac or I'm gonna go eat a whole pizza, and then it's like (laughs) now I feel worse. You know what I mean? Like it didn't help. Now I'm tired and. Yeah. I was going to go get back on the horse, but now I'm sleepy because they ain't made like, it's bad choice after bad choice after bad choice, after bad choice. So yeah. I think, like you said, you pattern interrupt that it's really huge. And even just from somebody like you said, it makes so much sense when somebody goes, well, I moved over here and it's a fresh start. It's like, well, you really just did something to make yourself feel like this is what's going to be the catalyst for my behavior, whether it's, you know, I know people, they break up with someone and they go, I, I threw it on my underwear. It's like, oh, you, just, you did something to make you feel like you should change that behavior. But, you know, back to all the stuff we, we were saying, like there has to be something to make you make a change. So if you don't, it's literally the definition of insanity. And I can't believe how many people I talk to that they want a different result, but they're not willing to change any of the actions or the decisions. And I'm like, it's it's a recipe. You want a different result, but you're not willing to change the recipe. It doesn't work like that.
1: Yeah, and it changes in that programming, you know, because it's, it's hard to think different thoughts when you're getting, you know, when you're, when you're putting crappy stuff in your head, right? It's hard, if, it's hard to be positive when you're in that position, right? So it's really just about, you know, how are you going to be able to uh, reprogram yourself?
0: I love that, man. I think that's so important. So positioning now to the real estate side of stuff, like what does what your, your business look like? Because I know you're doing a bunch of different things, but talk a little bit. I know you got like books, podcasts, like mentoring, you're speaking, like all, all these different things, but overall, like give kind of like a, give me, give me the, the rundown. So I mentioned to you, I got my license in uh, November,
1: 2007. And ever since April of 2008, I've had no broke months as a real estate agent. And so when I look at anything that I've done in business, anything that I've done that would be a perception of success, and I'm very careful to use the word perception because that's all success is, okay? So anything that anybody would perceive as success, I would say the thing that I'm most proud about is that I've had however many months that's been since 2008 until today, where I have had no broke months. There hasn't been a single month that I had a zero closing month on an average of 10. Okay. And so my core business, even today is helping buyers and sellers in the real estate market to buy a home, sell a house or invest in real estate. I do that three and a half days a, uh, a week and we'll help about 170 families or so this year and three and a half days a week, because it's very, Uh, It's very just, it's, it's, I'm very intentional about the actions. I'm very, uh, you know, today I've set two listing appointments today, and this is my fourth interview, right? Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to have a machine behind you to be able to make sure that, you know, it's like, okay, I got 15 minutes. I'm going to go and I'm going to have this conversation right now and boom, it's done deal. And so, uh, so one and a half days a week, I spend coaching other agents on how they can have no broke months. Because it is a formula. I am nobody special. I work five days a week. I do a tremendous amount of real estate transactions and I help a lot of agents across the country have no broke months. but it's only because I'm following a recipe. You know I'm that waiter that was you know hung over with his head you know be, you know crawling across the floor. you know um, yeah I was able to intend to have you know have them have the best experience of their life, but I was physically hurting. Well, I was doing that. Right. So if that guy could be able to figure out this business out, I think most anybody else can, as long as they have, you know, like, what is the recipe? What's the directions to be able to go A, B, C, D, E. And um, I have figured that out. And so I teach other agents today how to do that. Um, uh, besides that, I do. I still do real estate investing. Uh, I'll probably do. um It's definitely not my full-time job, but I'll probably do maybe four transactions a year, investing transactions a year, something like that, maybe one a quarter, pretty average throughout the years. Uh, I don't intentionally find the deals. Uh, The deals I find are, you know, every time I go on a listing appointment, I'm I'm always looking to say, is this a property for me at my home? The place I'm in right now was a listing appointment that I went on I don't know, 12 years ago, and um, I took the listing, and then I left, and I said, I have no idea I'm going to sell that check, uh, because this was a, um, it was a mess, my home was a mess, you're talking about distress, but it was in a million-dollar neighborhood, right, so I'm like, wait a second, I could get that lot cleaned up, I could improve that home, and I, you know, that could be something that could be really, really special, and, you know, that's what we did, so that's a little bit about some of the things that I'm up to.
0: That's outstanding, man. You know, for for people listening, I I had my brokerage license for a little while in New York City, and it opened my eyes to, you know, it's people watch Million Dollar Listing, and they go, well, I'm going to get a real estate license, and then everybody I know is going to call me, all my friends, my family, my family's friends and family, and everybody's just going to buy houses from me. It's going to be awesome. And it is, I mean, it's a grind. If you go into it just thinking that your phone's just going to start ringing, and you're just going to start getting closings. And when that doesn't happen for 30, 60, 90 days, people quit and they look for the next thing. So in a market that's a competitive market right now, I think what you're doing and, you know, pivoting to consistent and predictable income, that's what everybody's looking for as an entrepreneur is, you know, it's, it's the base hits that win games and every now and then you knock it out of the park. So going and doing that right now and creating that, I think is a huge thing because people aren't used to being able to work in a, in an eat what you kill scenario and you're killing and eating every single month, which most people are not. I think that that's an amazing thing right now, especially in a tough market. So somebody calls you today, new person, bright eye, bushy tail. They've been watching million dollar listing. They want to come in. They want to, you know, be the number one real estate agent, number two real estate agent, you're number one underneath you. And (laughs) what do you set as that expectation for like, this is what you're going to expect in your first six to 12 months. These are some of the things, this is what your day-to-day is going to look like if you actually want to be successful.
1: Yeah. So I'm not necessarily going to set like the outcome, um, but I can tell you how to get there. Okay. And so when you're looking at that new agent, it, it, here's a secret. You want a secret to success? I would love I, it. I worked with the secret of success in business. This is real estate investing. This is if you, uh, if you create a, a pen, if you have a pen production business, if you got a paper production business, I don't care what it is. I was with my personal trainer and uh, he asked me this question and he says, well, what, what's your, like, how do you make this work when so many other people don't make it work? I just looked at it. I said, I, I go to work. I work every single day. I work five days a week. That's it. That's the secret. You just have to do the work. The reality of it is, is most people either don't know what the work is or they're not willing to do the work or a combination of both. Okay, so now for real estate agents, and this is probably true of most businesses, I'd say, yeah, this is probably true of probably 99% of businesses. There's only five things that make you money. Those five things as a real estate agent is number one is to lead generate. Number two is to convert those leads to an appointment. Number three is to go on the appointment with the intention to get hired. Number four is to negotiate. Number five is to practice your description, your role play. That's the job description of an agent. The challenge is when you watch a million dollar listing is that's not what you see them doing. All right. So either you don't know, but you could take those same, that same framework for a real estate investing business, change it slightly. And you can sit there. I can say, Nick, real estate investing. If you go and you're looking for business consistently, does that make you money? Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. And if you go and you meet with people, to intend to make them an offer, or to intend to figure out how you can help them, does that make you money? Absolutely. All right. If you negotiate, if you practice what you're saying, and you practice when you it's closing the deal, all of that makes you money. Every single thing else is something that sort of feeds into your money-making activities. You know, so it, it could be administratively, it could be something more. You know, it could be creating marketing. It could be do whatever the case may be, but every single thing else feeds into those five activities that make you money. They may be necessary, but they're not necessarily making you money in real time. And so if you're an agent coming into the business, the first thing I would do is I would say, let me learn what my job description is, which is those five things I shared with you. Now, let me schedule my time to do my job. Um, I was just on a, a presentation uh, an hour ago when we were I was talking with a group of real estate agents. And one of the questions that the audience member had, she said, well, Dan, how do I get my 80% done? Meaning that all the stuff done that's outside those five activities. And what I shared with her was simple. Your 80% of your activities, the things that take up all your time, but don't necessarily produce you money, that's your part-time job. Your 20%, those five things that make you money, that's your full-time job. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, you're going to have two jobs, a full-time job, nine hours a day doing your 20% activity, and a couple hours a day doing your 80% of activity that needs to be done, but maybe you don't have the resource or the time or the money to be able to hire somebody to do it for you yet. And that's what I recommend to an agent is understand say, my job doing these five things, everything else comes out of my nine outside that nine hours. Either I wake up early or I stay up late and that's my part time gig.
0: I love that, man. And, you know, to wrap up your exact point of what you're doing, what you're teaching is consistent actions will result in consistent income.
1: Sure. I mean, if you're
0: you cannot tell me that
1: if you lead generate five days a week, let's just minimize it an hour a day. You can't tell me that you won't have business. Now, guess what? If you have no business, that is your only job. So oh, if yeah. I'm a brand new agent today, I'm going to commit maybe a little bit more than what I'm willing to commit in my business today. Maybe I'll do 12 hours, 60 hours a week. The only thing I'm doing is I'm finding business. Now, here's what you know, somebody knew the business say, but Dan, I don't know how to do the business. I'd say I don't care because right now not knowing how to do the business is a moot point because you have no business to figure out anyways. Okay. Now I'm not, I'm not suggesting to practice on your, on your, on your people, but I promise you that if you have a, a, a seller or you have a buyer, I promise you there's a more senior agent that'd be willing to partner with you and do that deal with you because you're bringing in the business and he or she can mentor you through the, through the uh, process and you can learn. I promise you there's gonna be somebody that can help you with that.
0: Guaranteed. of that, man, That that's so true. I, I mean, if people, like you said, the, the secret, that's the secret. You know what I mean? The secret is there's no secret. You have to start doing these things. And <laughs> do do your one work. One <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's everybody wants the magic pill, man. And like the people that are willing to put the time and the work in and learn the processes and surround themselves with people like you, that's, that's where the difference is, you know? And then talking about part-time income and doing other things. I know that writing a book and doing a podcast Takes up a lot of time and a lot of effort, and it's also as much as people say it's a way to give back and put that information out there. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the consistent income community that you have, yeah. the book that you wrote, and the podcast that you're doing as well.
1: Sure. So when I uh, so I mentioned to you that I owned a, uh, the brokerage that I so when I was 18 months after getting my license, I bought the brokerage that I worked for, and then I owned that brokerage for 10 years, and I sold that at the end of 2018. And so at the end of 2018, I was at a crossing roads in my career where I was like, OK, been there, done that. What's next? And I met with a mentor and he had um, encouraged for me to document what I learned through at that time, my 12 or 13 years in business. And so um, I started to do so. And what I first what I thought what I was doing was I thought that I was uh, writing a series of eBooks. And so I would spend about two, three hours each morning and I'd write And about three months into this, I realized, oh my goodness, like I'm actually writing a book. So I didn't actually like intend to write a book. I intended to write a series of um, instruction. And so it took me um, 13, uh, 13 months to write the book, Real Estate Evolution. And I did not take a single day off during those 13 months while I was writing. I averaged three hours a day in writing. And I got that from a gentleman named John Maxwell, who you may have heard of. And John spoke at a, uh, an event that I attended and was talking. He was using, uh, he was talking to real estate agents, but he was using his craft of writing as an analogy. And he says, listen, here's what I do. And this may sound a little bit like what I just shared with you. So, John, Mr. Maxwell says, here's what I do. I write every single day of the year. I don't take a single day off. I may only write five or 10 minutes on Christmas, but I write every single day of the year. I don't take a single day off. Now, he was sharing that with us to really sort of teach us as real estate agents. Here's how you can be successful. Really similar to what I just said to you. But I took it to heart. And I once I realized I was writing a book, I said, OK, I, I'll do what John says, because here's a guy that's created a bunch of success in his writing. And here's how he did it. So I said, I'm going to, every day I'm going to write in this, whether if it's 10 minutes or 10 hours, or it averaged out to about three hours and that's how long it took me to write real estate evolution, which is the 10th step. I had to CPI consistent predictable income. And in that book, it ended up being 90,000 words. And, um, you know, they do say that the hardest thing of writing is, is editing and cutting down. I, I uh, You know, that, that is the hardest thing in writing. And uh, that book, you know, um, I'm grateful it ended up being a big, a big success. I mean, it ended up selling tons and tons of copies. And, um, and agents use that today as uh, sort of their Bible, sort of their, their blueprint to making sales. From that, we started the Consistent Predictable Income Community which is a community of like-minded agents that, uh, that I mentor, I coach, I guide. Uh, we do on a monthly basis. I do a five-day listing challenge every single month where we take agents and we show them how to be able to do, uh, how to be able to get listings even in today's market. Um, if your listeners are curious about that, they could go to 5daylistingchallenge.com. That's number 5daylistingchallenge.com. And um, they can get some information on how they can register for that for free. And so those are some of the things that we do in coaching today and, and some of the things that I've done uh, after I sold the brokerage in 2018. And then, like I mentioned to you, I, uh, I, I put together the coaching company and I continue, um, continue in sales just because I love it. I mean, I, I don't know what, what else I
0: would do. I really don't. I love that man. It's interesting stuff, and again, you got something for everybody. The people that want to go interact on social media, the people that are the book, the book readers, the avid readers that like the old school books, and then the people that just want to take in the information on the podcast. I feel like you cover all senses and all mediums. And uh, again, I like your energy. I wanted you to come on the podcast because I just like the way you deliver the message. I can see that you're passionate about it. You're entertaining because some people (laughs) have good things to say, but they don't really have a great way to deliver it, man. So you keep me engaged, and I'm sure all the people that you are working with appreciate that about you because. Like jujitsu, man, there's people that can beat me up, but they cannot teach me how to do it or hold my attention long enough for me to listen. So I think that you're the right guy for the job, man. So um, I like to call this the Victory Lab, kind of wrapping things up over here and just asking some final questions. But first question would be, what do you, what do you recommend as far as like a, a book for, it doesn't even have to be necessarily real estate, but business life, what was a book right now that you think people could benefit from reading? Thinking think you grow rich. Oh, classic, a classic yeah. right there for sure. Yeah. Napoleon Hill.
1: If, uh, if I would recommend one book, And only one book, it would be that.
0: Interesting. Okay, cool. What is a favorite quote of yours?
1: A favorite quote of mine, a couple come to mind. um, The harder I work, the luckier I get by Henry Ford. Uh, I'm not sure who said this next one, but um, I'm in the, uh, the lead generation business specializing in, for my case, real estate sales. Uh, that's a quote that I, I I enjoy. And then something that I um, would say that I would share with others as a as sort of a quote would be to look for clues because success leaves clues and so does failures. And you would be smart to pay attention.
0: I love that. I think that's going to be the quote, quote for the episode right there. That's a great one. Somebody starting out or somebody in the middle of trying to go change their dreams that has an unsupportive spouse or business partner being that you come from someone that worked well with a partner. And I see it go the opposite a lot of the times that people want to change their dreams, even with properties. Hey man, I want to invest in this multi unit. And I call them like, what happened? Oh, my wife, my husband, they're not on board. So what would be some advice for somebody who's trying to go chase after their dreams and want more out of life and they don't have their spouse or their partner on board? What would be some advice to maybe get them on board?
1: Find out and help your spouse or your partner to discover what you achieving your dream, how that will help them. So it really goes back into really just bridging the gap of, I want to buy a multifamily, for example, if that was something that was, in, you know, was uh, important to me. And I focus on you know, all the time and effort that's gonna be to identify the right property to negotiate, to take the risks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't take the time to talk to my spouse and find out, first of all, hopefully you know what your spouse's goals and dreams are. But if you don't, you should find that out. But then saying, honey, when I can do this, when I can achieve these goals, then that helps you to be able to access your goals. Okay, so it's really about the pathways might, may diverge, but the destination is the same. And so we get confused about that when we're looking at just the pathways without the understanding that, listen, you and I, if this is your spouse, are actually going to the same destination. We want freedom. We want money. We want time. We want health. We want safety. We want love. Well, we can all we can. That's where we're going together. We're just taking different vehicles to get there. And so aligning together would be my my recommendation.
0: I love that, man. I think that that is golden advice right there. And last but certainly not least, how do people find you? How do people connect with you? How can you help the listeners of this show?
1: Yeah, if you're a real estate agent, you're looking to uh, join a a community of people to be able to hold you up, push you up, pull you up, uh, encourage you. On Facebook, we have a private Facebook group called the Consistent Predictable Income Community. Um, Other than that, you can Google my name, Dan. Roshan, that's r-o-c-h-o-n if you want to join the five-day challenge it's www.five that's the number five day listing challenge.com
0: awesome and uh social media instagram facebook anything's for you for your businesses websites
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> all of the above yes to all the above just type my name yeah. in, you'll find me i'm, awesome. I'm visible
0: and for anybody listening, I will put all of your show notes in, uh, all your contact stuff in the show notes. So just check the show notes. You'll have clickable links for anything and everything related to Dan, his business and his personal stuff, his podcast, his community. Click away. Enjoy tons of great content, tons of great information. You, sir, are always impressive. I always enjoy talking to you. Before I let you go about your day, any final thoughts for our audience?
1: Yeah, believe in yourself. Whatever your goals are, whatever your, your dreams are, whatever your, your ambitions are, you can freaking do it. The worst word, the biggest inhibitor that we have in our lives is the word how. So when we start, we think about what what we want to do, what we want to achieve, what we want to dream about. And then we get to that ugly word of how. That how gets us in a way of, of dreaming big. So take the word how, put it to the side, dream big, then find somebody else who's done it before you. Somebody who looks a lot like you, somebody who has the same background, the same heritage, that's already achieved whatever it is that you want to achieve. Now, all you have to do is do what they did. That's the how. And that's how you could uh, achieve great, great things.
0: I absolutely love that, echo that, and could not have said that better myself, my good man. You obviously bring your A game to everything you do, whether it's your community, your business, your podcast, your relationship. I appreciate that about you. This interview is no different. You have absolutely brought your A game here today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for